welcome to the Fit Vegan Podcast, the show where we help you optimize your health, fitness, and mindset on a whole food plant-based lifestyle. My name is Maxim Sigoy. I am a former triathlete, powerlifter, bodybuilder, and basketball player, and I've been vegan for over nine years. I'm also the founder and CEO of Fit Vegan Coaching, which has helped over 500 vegans from 20 different countries to completely transform their bodies and their health. I'm excited for you to hear today's episode. Let's get into the show. All right. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Fit Vegan Podcast. Today, I am joined by Benjamin Lee, who is a life coach, author, pastor, and host of the I Can Do Podcast. Um, Benjamin, how are you doing today, man? I am doing great. How are you? Thank you for having me on the show. Yeah, of course. Well, I'm really happy that uh, our mutual friend, Robert Cheek, put us in contact. Um, and here we are. You know, once he once he made the introduction and we kind of made our little intro call to get to know each other, I was like, man, Benjamin has a really cool story. We got to bring it on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to be here. And uh, it's awesome to hear your story as well. I know we've had a chance to talk a little bit before this. So I'm um, really excited with what you're doing and uh, definitely looking forward to learning from you. Beautiful. And before we get into your story, I just want to say I love your background. What are, what are the masks? What are the masks that you have? I know you're a big Marvel fan. Yes, I'm a big Marvel fan. So you see the uh, the the Black Panther mask there. That's actually my son. So he painted it, and then he's nice. got the Spider Man mask as well. So behind me, I got my uh, my Funko Pops and Titan series, and um, we have uh, my wife has uh, her Princess Tiana. So we call this we call this the uh, the collectible room. So I got into Marvel. I guess quite a bit uh, going back when uh, Iron Man, Iron Man's my favorite character. And, yeah. uh, you know, I have a, a piece of metal in my chest, uh, just like Tony Stark. So I got on the uh, the Marvel train and uh, it's been fun ever since. Yeah, well, let's jump into that. I was actually going to ask you, is it Iron Man because of the piece of metal he has in his chest? So, um, yeah, man, kind of, mm -hmm. what What got you, what is I can do? Because I know the story stems from there and kind of what got you to, to that place. Yeah. So back in, I think, 2006, 2007, uh, I got diagnosed with a heart condition. It's called hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. So there's a portion of my heart, and a lot of people have this as well. I think it's like one in 250 or one in 300 have the same condition where a part of the heart is enlarged. So that can create some electrical problems, um, right? So for some people, sadly, they can go into... Um, you know, sudden cardiac arrest. So in 2000, uh, 2010, I ended up getting a defibrillator. So the initials, uh, implantable cardioverter defibrillator is ICD. So, you know, I was 30 at the time. That was a big, big shock for me. You know, once you get one, you're pretty much stuck with it. You know, I had my second one put in in 2016. The battery eventually runs out. So you have to get another one and uh, get that. That's put crazy. In. Yeah, it's pretty expensive. So, um, you know, I really had to figure out a way to cope uh, with it and mm -hmm. to, to understand, okay, this is this is my new reality. So for the most part, growing up, I, I, I feel like I've been pretty optimistic. Uh, and with my faith, that definitely has helped me as well. Um, so I decided to turn ICD to uh, to mean I can do. So I can do has kind of been my model ever since then, because I knew I was going to get this device. I'm going to have it the rest of my life, unless something drastically changes. 
which I don't think will. And so I wanted to turn it into a positive. So that really helped me back in 2010, even today, to, um, you know, just to, to shift uh, the mindset. Yeah. So it, a few questions for you, because I'm not too familiar with it. So do you have to get a surgery every time you got to change a battery on this thing? So the procedure right now, it's a outpatient procedure, right? So there's a small incision here on the chest. Uh, mine is on the right side. It's on the typically on your non-dominant side. So they mm -hmm. basically make a pocket um, in your, uh, like in your pec muscle, and then they're okay. able to insert it. So I have what's called a, a single lead device. So it's a device that they will, you know, connect to the, to the bottom portion of my heart. So it's really for primary prevention. So it's not a, uh, it's not a pacemaker. Um, thankfully my heart is strong. I'm able to run and lift and, um, you know, pretty much live a normal life, but in the event, uh, you know, I went into some kind of erratic, uh, heart rhythm, then mm -hmm. it would pulse or shock me out of it. So very much like the ER shows, you know, where they have the paddles and, and they, yeah. and they shock them. I basically have it, uh, just put in here. So it was really for a uh, primary, uh, prevention in the event, something happened. Oh, and you were 30 when you got, yeah, when you got to learn that. Yeah. And I'm 44 right now. So, uh, you know, it's been, it's been a, it's been a great journey. Uh, I've been blessed. Um, thankfully I've never been shocked. Um, you know, I've had some other issues as well. Uh, I had a blood clot on my right coronary artery working out. It felt like a heart attack. I've never had a heart attack, but I was thinking this, this is probably this is it. what it feels like <laughs> right, to have a heart attack. But, um, but I really have been blessed that, um, you know, I can, I can pretty much do whatever, you know, typically. So, I mean, there are some things I don't do anymore. You know, the, the, the pride and ego, uh, at the gym has, uh, you know, that had to leave the room. So I'm not, I'm not bench pressing heavy or anything like that, but I, I use dumbbells and I'll, I'll go up to about a hundred pounds. Um, so I can do dumbbells. It's pretty and, heavy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll do that for squats and things like that. So, um, I was talking to my uh, nutritionist coach, uh, who knows you, by the way, and was really excited when I told her that I was going to have an opportunity to talk to you. Last year, I ran a um, 806 mile uh, right before my birthday. So that's a few months away. So I'm like, I want to see if I can get under seven or under eight. So I'm yeah. still blessed. Some people with my condition can't do that. So every yeah. workout is uh, every workout's a tremendous blessing for sure. Yeah. Well, I like, I like to dive into that story because like we talked about before starting recording, a lot of people will have life circumstances kind of happen to them. And again, you couldn't know that this was going to happen. You couldn't have like, you couldn't have done anything to kind of prevent it. It was just, it is what it is ultimately. And yeah. so I think people can deal with this very differently, can create something really beautiful out of them and live an empowering life. And some people can go the opposite direction and use it as a reason as to why they can't live their life to the fullest. And so what was your what was your initial reaction to it versus, and then how did you kind of turn that around? Because I'll be honest, um, I'm turning 30 in like 13 days. Yeah. So I can just, I'm just trying to imagine if I was to have this news by the time I turn 30, how I would feel about it and how I would deal with it. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I, I figured I found out the diagnosis really by accident. So living in Columbia, Missouri, I think it was about a week after the Super Bowl in February. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts had won the Super Bowl. I was super excited for Tony Dungy, Peyton Manning. Went in, got a physical. I was working for Pfizer Pharmaceuticals at the time. 
Uh, mm-hmm. The nurse said, hey, do you want to get an EKG? I said, uh, is it covered by insurance? She said, yes. I said, okay, let's get the test. So from that test, they saw that my T wave was was inverted. And so that was a red flag for something. So I worked with um, cardiologists. And so um, it was either going to be, there's a condition called athlete's heart or hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. So I ended up seeing three doctors. My wife and I drove up to Minneapolis and I'll be honest, you know, when I talked to the doctor there, I wanted to go to like the best of the best. Um, there was a lot of fear, uh, a lot of fear of, man, like what, like what is going on here? I had not really experienced anything. And maybe I've been dizzy. I'd been dizzy once, one time waking up, but for the most part, I, I hadn't experienced or noticed anything. So to answer your question, uh, that drive back home was really hard. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they said, take the stairs, no caffeine, you know, you know, slow down with everything. So I was like, man, like what is happening? And I, and I looking back at that probably was still kind of rejecting reality. They wanted to put something in for a year just to kind of test to see where I was. And I didn't yeah. want to do that. So those first three years was just really trying to come to terms with it. It created a lot of fear for my wife. Uh, so we really had to assess the problem uh, our faith uh, in, in Jesus, that definitely played a role. Understanding, yeah. okay, like what are my chances of like just suddenly collapsing, you know, running and working out? That could happen, but yeah. it's actually a lot smaller than than what it actually seems. So not everybody is doing that. And then in 2010, three years later, there's a lot of, there's, there's more fear there as well. So, but it was just, yeah. it was just trust, you know, I had to do it. And a lot of things have changed. I can remember uh, that first time I did it, you know, they, they would stop your heart for about six seconds because they wanted to make sure that the device actually worked. Right. Yeah. Um, and they don't do that anymore. Probably, you know, looking at uh, or considering what kind of damage even for six seconds, you know, that yeah. might. So, uh, but afterwards, you know, it was, it was in there and I just, I was just determined. I still had to work. I was still married. My wife still needed me. Uh, my family still needed me. Um, so just really taking it one day at a time and getting used to that new normal. And I think that's probably one of the things for all of us that's good, staying in reality and understanding, okay, this is my present situation. Uh, it's, yeah. it's not necessarily optimal, but there's still some good things that can come from it. And I can't remember, I read in a book, uh, Maxim, um, somebody said, suffering doesn't make anyone unique how we respond to it is mm-hmm. what makes a person unique. So yeah. for me, there's other people that didn't get to live to be 30 um, who can't work out, you know, who get out of breath going to their mailbox. Uh, so when I started thinking about that, like uh, probably like uh, within six months to a year after I first got diagnosed, I walked a half marathon. I wanted to yeah. run it. They're like, no, we don't, we don't recommend you do that. But I'm like, man, I'm going to do something. So mm-hmm. I walked it. So it was just kind of like those little wins and just saying, okay, I can still do things. I just have to modify how I do them. And that, that really goes a long way. I think when we do get hit in the head with so much suffering or, you know, whatever the case may be, okay, what actually can I do? And so that definitely helped me along the way. How did you deal with the shift in identity, right? Because um, how the biggest part that people don't talk about when there's pain or suffering, there's kind of these these news like cancer, heart disease, whatever, maybe that shows up is we, we identify, I don't know. I don't know if before you were like 
a hustler just like working hard, trying to crush it at company and like working out and kind of being super active and do all these things. And the ident your identity kind of get wrapped up around that. And then it's like, oh, Benjamin, you you have to like slow down. You can't do all the things that you were doing before. I think the 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 detachment and identity is such a challenging part that no one talks about. It's like, ah, stay yeah. positive through it. But it's like, how did you deal with that <laughs> shift? Because that crushes people. Yeah, I think um, I think either it was after that first diagnosis or uh, after I got the first device, I went back to the hotel with my wife. Um, I ate like six chocolate chip cookies. You know, so I was just, I was depressed. I was like, man, I, I got no idea what's going to happen here. It was a humbling experience for sure, because when you can lift weights, however you want to lift weights, you know, however heavy you want to, that identity definitely had to shift as well. Mm -hmm. But I was, I was down for a while for sure. But um, I, I guess looking back at that, I, I feel like I bounced back fairly quickly. Um, the other thing too, I forgot to mention this, I was in a preacher training program. So mm -hmm. we had moved in 2009 to Beaumont, Texas, and I was in a training program. I was actually worried about this whole, you know, surgery because it was going to be fifty, eighty thousand $80,000. I'm like, man, I have no idea how I'm going to pay for this. I just, you know, gotten severed with Pfizer, moved on to this new career, wasn't making anything that I was making previously. But I yeah. still had Pfizer health insurance as part of that uh, severance package. So I paid maybe about $1,000 uh, out of pocket. So looking back, the Lord provided for me. And my identity ultimately is is in him um, mm -hmm. and in him. And so um, I, 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 was still, I was still working. I was still preaching. And so um, I did have to create this new identity, particularly like with exercise. That was something that I've always loved to do. I majored in kinesiology, love to work out. It's not a, it's not a burden for me. Nobody has to tell me to do it. So yeah. probably one of the biggest ways. And I would also say this too, if I'm being honest, um, you know, I did think about that with my wife, right? Because when we got married, uh, I didn't have a defibrillator. Uh, and now I have this scar on my chest. Now I have this device in my chest, you know, so how is she going to look at me and how is she going to respond? And there's a lot there as well that I had to really think yeah. about. I, I think just in the process of time, got comfortable with it and, you know, talked about it. And then I realized, wait a second, I can, I can pretty much do any and everything I was doing. Just a couple of little changes here and there. Yeah. The relationship part is such a big piece it because is. it's, uh, it's not, it's just not heading the way that you were expecting, yeah. but you know, as you said, time kind of solves everything. Everyone gets used, everyone can get used to anything over time. That's yeah. why people can live in extremely unhealthy environments, but over time adapt and it becomes a norm. And then people wonder, how are you able to live within that? Well, just over time, your body adapts, right? It's trying to be comfortable wherever it's at. And yeah. so that tends to happen also in, in relationship and with our minds as we have these big changes. Yeah. Um, for men too, right? I mean, we feel like we're uh, invincible, uh, like we are that that superhero. Uh, my wife reminded me a couple of days ago, she's out of town and trying to navigate the schedule. She said, you know, you're not Superman. And uh, I said, yeah, that's true. I'm not Superman. So <laughs> there is something about, you know, we can always figure it out. We're always going to be strong, right? Mm -hmm. We're always going to be fast. And so that that definitely has changed quite a bit for me. I still want my six pack. I 
I don't have it yet. I'm going to have to get some coaching from you to help me get there yeah. or maybe get over that, uh, put uh, over that edge. But, um, but I've also realized it's, it's not just about the, the physical and, and how we look on the outside. Obviously we want to be healthy and stuff, but um, so yeah, that was another shift as well. I'm not invincible. Um, life is going to change. My body's going to change and I have to get comfortable with that. Yeah. And that's such a, a big piece. I, I would love to, to touch on that a bit, like the, sure. the, the manliness aspect of being injured, of not realizing that you're not actually invincible because a lot, you're right. A lot of it when you're younger is tied to like, I'm big, I'm strong, I'm lean, I'm fast or whatever it may be. And I think as you get older and you go through life experiences, the definition of what being a man changes, right? A man is someone that shows up, that can provide, that can take care. You don't yeah. necessarily have to have 20 inch biceps, which you have big biceps, <laughs> but you know, it's, yeah. you don't need to be like super fit. So how did, how did that change for you? Because I think like at 30, that's like a, a peak of like, right. Where your, your highest level of fitness and you, your outlook on life is very different. I'm sure than kind of where you're at now at 44. So how did that definition change for you? That's a good question. I would say there's a couple of things that happened in a span of a short amount of, in that short amount of time, 2010, I got my device 2011, our son, Joshua was born. So that definitely changed, you know, just my perspective, you know, in life and responsibilities. So um, how did it change me with respect to being a man? Um, I, I think still, you know, I, mean, I felt, I felt humbled as well. Um, there were times where I was vain, um, especially with, you know, the outward appearance and mm -hmm. focusing so much on that outward appearance. And so for me, um, that was a big shift, uh, in my mind, but, um, you know, when it comes to being a man, my dad was not around when I was growing up. And so there, there have been things that I've had to, to figure out on my own. Um, from a biblical perspective, you touched on some of those things too, right? Responsibility, uh, integrity, yeah. showing up, um, providing. Um, so uh, it just it just reminded me so much about my need for uh, for the Lord that I, I don't I don't really have the strength. Um, I have to rely on on Him, and um, being a man is not just merely uh, how you look. It's not just merely the six pack abs or the broad shoulders, whatever the case may be. Not to say there's anything wrong with those. Uh, yeah. It's not uh, the size of our bank account or our house or our cars. There's so much uh, to being a man and having a son has taught me that responsibility, obviously even more um, with how do I want to, uh, the Bible speaks, I believe in uh, Psalm 127 about children and how they're like a, like an arrow right and you're aiming them towards somewhere and so yeah. think where are we trying to shoot him you know where are we where do we want him to go um from my worldview with christianity to being a man is about um loving my spouse loving my wife um you know as christ loves the church and i, I just mentioned this in a sermon this past sunday i'm still learning this concept of love and sacrifice so there's a lot in there about being a man um, and certainly I love the idea of working out and exercise, worked at a gym. I'm all about that. And, um, but I guess I would say there, there's a lot more to that. There's a lot more to, um, just how we, how we look and our lives are not just merely the gym or the selfie or, 
you know, what we look like uh, at, at the pool or something like that. Take great care of our bodies for sure. But I know yeah. that these bodies are going to go back to the desk one day. So there's definitely a lot more um, to that than uh, than what meets the eye. For sure. I, and I think fundamentally, I think men and women, just all humans, yeah, there's a, there's a need to want to be able to kind of be ourselves. Yes. And so we seek external things to try to just be yourself to be strong enough to be yourself and i think physical fitness and shaping your body is one of those ways through which we seek validation these tools to be like i am strong enough to just be me but mm -hmm. i always tell people you can have the flattest stomach the biggest butt if that's your thing the biggest bicep or whatever baby right trends have changed over the years no one cared about big butts <laughs> before right like you can have all of these things and it won't solve any of the things that you think yes. it will solve. Yeah. Right? You'll right. just get there and feel empty. And you'll be like, yes. I feel empty, but I'm jacked. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're exactly right. Uh, I agree with that. And yeah, there, there, there's a lot more. And, you know, I'll, I'll, being a good steward of my body, that's a big deal to me as well. And I do believe yeah. you should be a good, a good steward. Of, of what God has given us, right, with our bodies. And so, um, you know, for me too, how can I, you know, how can I glorify him with my health, uh, mm -hmm. with my fitness? Um, that helps me with my job. That helps me with keeping my stress, uh, my stress low and, you know, being more present. And it gives me creativity when I'm walking or running or lifting. So there's a lot of different things. You can still do it. But now trying to see, okay, how might I use this in a bigger way? Because you're exactly yeah. right. You can hit this goal and then I'll say, okay, great. You hit the goal, right? So, okay, now what? And mm -hmm. uh, and I'm, I'm impressed when people are able to do that because it takes a lot of dedication, discipline, um, you know, denying self, sacrifice. And those are great qualities. Those are great virtues to have, but still yeah. saying there's still something bigger beyond this. And I think about... Um, King David, he's a, he's one of the Kings in the old Testament. He was a mighty man. And I love using him as an example of what a man really looks like, because he was a warrior. He was a King. He was a husband. He he was, uh, a, uh, he was a songwriter. Um, he was a father. Um, and he was someone who, who, who feared God as well. And he had all these different dimensions or parts of him. And it's just a great example of, for me, you know, yeah, there's a lot more than just being that warrior because by the end of his life, he couldn't fight the same way that he could when he was younger. And they said, look, man, you're, you're going to help. You're going to cause us to lose some of these battles out here. You're going to die out here. He, he grew weak. And um, so, yeah, we put a lot of maybe identity or um, emphasis upon our flesh, which we should um, take care of our bodies. Nobody wants to live a life where our bodies are breaking down. It's going to happen if we don't invest our time in it. Um, yeah, that's why. I love what you're doing. And I've, I've seen that as well with going more plant-based and um, our bodies respond. And so, but just understanding, not getting too caught up with that. And that was, that was something I had to kind of rewire the brain of, I can still do this, but it's not just merely now about looks or speed and things like that. Yeah. It, it becomes more about how does it serve the rest of my life? Yes. Right. Cause when you're, I'm sure when you're training in your twenties and kind of up to like when you turn 30, it was like looking fit. There was like an, yeah. again, there was a big identity piece around it. Yeah. But then 
what happened to you, I think, is what happens to people when they're in their 50s. Yeah. You in their 50s, it's because we work with people from like 20 to 80 years old, right? And I can see the evolution of people at different ages. Once they get to like 45, 50, they're like, man, I want to feel good. I want my body to not hurt. I want to have energy throughout the day. I want to be mobile. Like yeah. the the looking aspect is still a little bit there, but it becomes more about functionality and how can it serve the rest of my life versus it just all being about the appearance. And yeah. you kind of got taught a lesson that kind of fast forwarded that opportunity mm -hmm. for you to learn that lesson earlier on. Yeah. And I've always kind of felt that way too. You know, my dad wasn't around. I mentioned that earlier. And I've always, you know, I had a lot of friends who were older than me, you know, growing mm -hmm. up. So I think part of that was just, I knew I had to grow up faster. Um, I felt like I was the man of the house with me and my mom and my sister. And uh, I'm sure other people can relate to that as well. He was an alcoholic and he just, you know, just made some poor decisions uh, at times. But, um, but he had a lot of great qualities and things like that. But you hit it, I think, um, I think you said it perfectly in our 20s when you were talking about that. In a sense, I was I was pretty selfish, right? Because yeah, you can work out as long as you want, and mm -hmm. that's exactly what I did. I loved it. Um, uh, you know, working at Gold's Gym, and you know, going to Jamaica senior year uh, in college, and you know, just doing all these things. But uh, you're exactly right. Life has a way of getting our attention, and it's not always just going to be in our 50s and our 60s or in our 60s. But I will say this too, you know, working out like that in our teens and 20s and 30s can help ease some of the pain potentially, right? For where sure. not just starting like when we're 50 to exercise, not to say that things can change because they can change fast, but that investment definitely will pay off. So, I mean, that helped me out as well too. And I can remember when I got my second defibrillator, I was in a um, fitness program with uh, Bill Phillips. He wrote the book uh, Body for Life years ago. And I, I loved yeah. um, I loved Body for Life, EAS products. He used to take them all the time in college. And so I was in his uh, Facebook Live program. And I started that in, let's see, August of 2016. So I got my device. I want to say, oh yeah, I got my device December, at the end of December, like December 29th. So I had to take um, a week off and I was so afraid I'm going to gain weight and stuff like that. Nothing bad happened, you know? And so there's yeah. this idea of this investment. My strength didn't really change. I started back at five pounds and just worked my way back up. And, and so, um, so yeah, that it can definitely help us and, uh, get yeah. over the, you know, get those challenges a little bit faster when they do come. Yeah. And that's the thing, right? The, the, the message or fast kind of life making you realize that you need to change your priorities won't always happen the way that you expect it to happen. Right. And usually yeah. it's in, in, an, in an unpleasant way <laughs> that it'll be make you relearn some of these lessons, right? Either through you directly or through someone that you love around you. And then it kind of makes you realize these things. Right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I love to talk about community because you mentioned earlier when you were going through and when you kind of got the news and kind of seeing all the doctors, you were going through the, I think, like ministry to kind of learn to be a pastor. You're going kind of through mm -hmm. that course. Mm -hmm. I think it was kind of a blessing. Like, how was that for you to be going through this hard time and to be surrounded by by people in the church? It was, um, I, I like to say it was Providence, where uh, the timing seemed to be absolutely perfect. Um we moved to Beaumont, Texas in uh, July, July 2nd, uh, 2009. 
uh, had gumbo for the very first time. I said, well, you know, what is gumbo? Uh, but yeah. it's a dish here in the South. So that helped me out. I can remember I worked with uh, two men, two older uh, ministers, and we were going through an Old Testament book. And one of them, uh, I got really worried about, you know, the procedure and how am I going to pay for all of this? Uh, and one of them just kept reminding me, you know, just uh, just trust in the Lord. Um, cause I was ready to quit. I was ready to find another kind of sales job and, and, and get yeah. more money. And so that it was definitely an opportunity for me to, to grow in my faith. And so having other people around, and that's one of the benefits of a local congregation is that you do have that support and, mm-hmm. uh, were able to help me steer, you know, the right path. And I saw God at work and, um, you know, I really had nothing to, uh, to worry about. So, uh, that was a tremendous blessing because um, I had both of my devices put in there uh, when I was still in Beaumont, Texas, uh, 2010 and then uh, 2016. So, you know, we just had a lot of people helping us out at that time. And um, and they helped me out. They helped my wife out. We were looking forward to uh, having another child in 2014. And she ended up having what's called a molar pregnancy. And long story short, she had to get on chemotherapy. She didn't have cancer, but with the, with the condition there. And so I wouldn't have been able to do it without them. And, you know, we didn't have any family there, but they were our family. And, yeah. uh, and so, uh, it was, it was really life-saving, you know, just the amount of, um, service and, uh, support and, uh, encouragement they gave us. Yeah. So I can't, I can't even imagine people trying to go through this alone, right? The, yes. yeah. the community aspect. Um, I just remember when, and you know this, but my ex-partner was going through cancer. Like yeah. church was such a big help. And or we had a life group and that was such a big help. People helped, like there was so much support and love that came from that. It made such a world of a difference. Um, I can imagine people have to kind of go through these things alone, right? It's it's that that mentorship, that guidance from elders that have kind of gone through not necessarily similar things, but through their own life experiences that are kind of able to share that wisdom with you. I think yeah. that's so that's so that's so valuable, and people kind of either don't know about it or kind of neglect it a little bit because there's mm-hmm. like the especially when you're younger, like I'm a man, I will I'll figure it out. I don't need anyone's help. I'll do all of it myself. That's exactly what I was thinking. Um, you're exactly right, and that's the danger with this. You know, I, I'm strong enough by myself. We're not. Uh, mm-hmm. Not to say we're not strong, but yeah, everybody needs somebody. Everybody needs. Uh, um, somebody to to push them, to guide them, to encourage them, to uh, reinforce certain things. You're exactly right, and uh, and there's great danger when we have that mindset. Uh, we can actually do a lot of foolish things. Uh, you know what I mean? So absolutely. Yeah, a team makes. So I I got my first example of that when she was going through cancer. The second example is when I went into business. I was like, I want to help ten thousand people by 2033. And I was like, I'm going to do this. And there's no thought of like, I'm going to do it with the team or I'm doing it by myself. It's just like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to figure out a way. <laughs> and then I got to coaching about 40 clients. And I was like, fuck, I'm working 40, like 60, 40, 50 hours a week. I have no more time. How am I going to get to 10,000? Yeah. And then hired some coaches. And then we started expanding. And then we hit 650 plus in three years. Couldn't have done that with just me. Yeah. And I realized like, depending with yourself, you can have an impact. You can have, you can handle certain things. But if, you know, if God offers you a bigger challenge or there's a bigger mission that you have in your heart to accomplish, you just realize that you can only have so much impact by yourself. If you add people, the impact kind of grows, it grows and becomes exponential. 
Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, it is foolish to think that you can do it just by yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and that requires humility. Um, yeah, you know, I had a preacher, he would used to say, uh, pride must be put aside. Ego has to go. Self must be put on the shelf. And I, I love that. And yeah, and when you, and when you do that, great things can happen when you have someone else alongside you and, uh, mm. there's great wisdom for sure. I, I love to dive into the, I can do podcasts and your life coaching. Yep. Okay. So, so again, we talked about the ICD, right. And you turn into like, I can do, but what got you to kind of build, basically build a brand around it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I started building something back in 2010, 2011. And uh, uh, for me not to be a hypocrite, right. I was trying to do it on my own, right. I can figure all this stuff out and I just, I could never figure it out. And now I'm working with someone and they've helped me out tremendously. But I, I started off with, um, you know, um, wristbands that said I can do, so can you, T-shirts, uh, things like that. The I Can Do podcast began in 2019. That actually began out of fear. Uh, that may not be super exciting, but uh, my wife and I had been on another podcast. I bought a microphone. I had done nothing with it. And I was like, man, I, I need to do something with this. So um, I started the podcast in 2019. Then when COVID hit in 2020, um, it was just a great opportunity to reach out to people. So I started uh, interviewing people. And the basis of the I Can Do podcast is to help people very similar to what you're doing, to inspire people, to motivate people. Uh, attitude is often everything, right? Attitude will often determine our altitude and making those small adjustments here and there. So I can do is designed to help people to transform. Uh, I talk a lot about um, uh, the Bible and um, talk about fitness and family and, um, and all of that. So uh, my goal with the podcast is to have other people on the show, um, have um, episodes that will help people to just get better just a little bit more. And if we can just moving, if we can just move and get better just a little bit more every day, you know, it's amazing how uh, great things will happen. So uh, that's how the podcast was uh, started. And uh, that's still the direction of it. Beautiful. And, and so for the life coaching, so I'm sure there's specific milestone and I say milestone, but I think there's common themes and what you see people struggling with, right? Kind of, same thing with fitness. It all comes down to like two, three things every time, right? It's disguised as 50 different things, but it's like two, three things at its core. <laughs> so what are those common themes that you see when you're working with people that tends to prevent them from living life to the fullest and maximizing their time here? Yeah, that's a great question. At times, I would say confidence. At other times, I would say fear. And then I would also say time um, or organization. Uh, those are some pillars. Uh, I basically did an impromptu session. It wasn't a uh, an official life coaching session, but a friend called me. Um, they have a decision to make about uh, a job and they have a couple of offers. You know, which way should I go? And basically I said, okay, let, let me put the coaching hat on. So I just asked her a number of, of questions. And then uh, I, I reversed it and said, okay, um, pretend now that, that, that I'm you. Um, and, uh, you know, how would you guide me? You know, what would be your advice for me? And that gave her that, uh, that insight moment. So 
Uh, but a lot of that was there was fear underneath everything with some of the decision making, right? So yeah. those are some trends or observations that I've seen before. You know, a lot of times we can doubt ourselves. A lot of times, and I'm, 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 I did that with the podcast, right? Why am I delaying starting something when I've had it here, just sitting here? What's the worst that can happen? Yeah, really nothing. I mean, nothing. The worst that can happen is people, I guess, won't listen. But yeah. what's the best thing that could happen? And I've used that before, even in um, in coaching. Uh, Dr. Ben Carson in his book, Take the Risk, he has a nice um, template when he would have these major surgeries at a John Hopkins um, hospital. You know, he would ask, what's the best thing that could happen if I do this? What's the worst thing that could happen if I do this? What's the best thing that could happen if I don't do anything? Hmm. And then what's the worst thing that can happen if I don't do anything? And so he's created like this risk assessment, not just for surgeries, but even for life, right? Uh, about, okay, yeah. I'd be on this podcast. Should I make this movie? What about writing this book or taking this job? So those are some things that I've seen or some trends or ideas of people often know many of the, many of the answers uh, that they're looking for. And yeah, yeah. I was listening to uh, Tim Ferriss, and I feel bad. I can't remember the gentleman that he had, um, but he wrote the book, uh, Anything You Want. And it was interesting because they were talking about mentors. Mm -hmm. Guests talked about, uh, Tim had asked them, you know, who do you call, you know, if you have a question or if you're looking for some kind of guidance? And what the guy said, well, I have a couple of people that I would call, but before I call them, I imagine I'm having this call. And he basically works his way through the, the situation and then he doesn't even need to make the call. So, yeah. you know, coaching is a lot like that, right? With questioning and discovery, um, helping the client not to tell me what they think I want to hear, but what actually is reality and, um, yeah. and where to go. So yeah, fear, confidence, um, time management. There's a lot of things that people want to get done and become. Uh, which is possible, but it has to, you know, you have to have some kind of plan behind it. Yeah. I like the reverse psychology aspect because we're so good at giving advice to other people, but we're terrible at giving, we yes. treat ourselves <laughs> like shit, but we treat everyone else so nicely. And mm -hmm. so being able to reverse it and being like, if I was your friend, how would you guide me in this? I think it's really powerful because I think, yeah. you know, we fundamentally know what we need to do. And, you know, like um, Tony always says, like, there's two primary fears, right? Like fear of not being enough, basically failing, not being enough, and then fear of not being loved, right? And I think there's like, it goes back to those fundamental, like, tribal days of like, if I don't fit in with everyone else, I get kicked out, I'm on my own in the middle of the jungle, and then I die, right? So there's a, a wanting to belong. And so we need to feel love and we need to make sure that we're good enough because we provide value to the group. Therefore we stay within the group. Yeah. Right. And it's so yeah. interesting to see how a lot of, a lot of the decisions that we don't make or make are based around those fundamental, like things that, that have been around for so long. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it, it was interesting with this uh, impromptu phone call I like uh, Rich Litvin. I don't know if you ever listened to his podcast. It's called a uh, one insight. Uh, you're familiar. I've heard with of him before. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really like what he does too. And you know, it's amazing because some of his sessions are like eight minutes or 10 minutes, but he coaches behind this idea of insight. So I had talked to her 
we, we called or she texted me and I talked on the phone, friend of mine, um, you know, which job should I take? And so just, you know, I, I probably ask questions and talk for about 10 minutes or 12 minutes. And then I say, you know what, let's, uh, yeah, what you just said, let's reverse it. 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. She had an answer. And I was like, man, I, this could have gone even faster. So yeah, you're exactly right. You know, those things are often, they're right there in front of us uh, for willing to, to do it. Yeah. Do you, do you ever make, as a, not a, the word of a mistake, but do you ever do that where someone brings up something and you just want to like talk them into seeing the perspective that you want them to see to better understand the situation when fundamentally they're just here seeking for some type of approval of like, hey, mm-hmm. Benjamin said it was good. So by you reversing it, they said the thing and you're like, and then they're like, oh, cool. I need to do this now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, that's interesting because, um, yeah, that's something I'm actually trying to work on where I don't want to necessarily pressure someone to to make this decision, right? That's not really coaching, mm-hmm. right? There, there has to be discovery. Uh, and maybe there's some distinction with coaching and consulting where somebody yeah. will bring you in and say, okay, give us give us some options here. Um, yeah. But uh, with coaching, you're you're guiding the, the person along um, and helping them to figure out. So there is a temptation for that, but that probably isn't going to be best for them long-term where, all right, they can say yes. And I can feel like, oh man, that was great. I was successful. But in reality, if that's not something they want to do, because that's what I, that's what I told her. I said, you know, ultimately this choice is yours. You need to, you know, assess the pros and cons, do some homework with this. Um, and I actually had, you know, I, I'd asked a couple more questions. I had assumed some things and then just asking a couple more questions gave me the answer even more like, oh, okay, well now this, this definitely sounds like the path to go on. So I try not to, you know, you don't want to necessarily have them agree with what you think, you know, you want them to, to come to this conclusion where there's going to, going to be that buy-in. Um, yes, you can give them some guidance and a little bit of a push here and there, but they still have to completely buy into it. Yeah. And I think that's the cool part about coaching is we're just always, you're always continuously involving, right? Yeah. Uh, when I started, it was more like, here's my lenses and my view of the world, put these glasses yeah. on, right? And then yes. you learn of like, you can't do that because that's a crutch. Eventually they just yeah. become reliant on your lenses and your view of the world yes. and they can't operate by themselves. So it's good. Yeah. I, I'm happy to hear that. He's making people autonomous, ultimately, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, you have to, yeah, absolutely. You have to figure it out. And um, uh, yeah, and I love coaching. Um, looking back, you know, last 10 years, whatnot, I guess a little bit longer now, uh, I guess I've, I've always had some kind of coaching, you know, whether in sales or the preacher uh, training program and uh, signing up for different cohorts. And so it's just been really cool just to see um, the power of coaching and just having someone again, right? Community, someone there to answer some questions or ask some questions that maybe you didn't think about or give you a different yeah. perspective. I like what Rich does too. You know, he will push a little bit or he'll call the client out on some things. You know, hey, I, I noticed you're a minute late. Uh, what else are you late on in your life? Uh, yeah. And there's some benefit doing that too, right? Where you know, coaching is not just to make you feel good. You're not going to pay somebody just to do that. Maybe some people do, but no, you're trying to get from point A to point B. So what is it that you want? And let's strip away, right, the excuses and the stories that aren't going to work. Yeah. 
<laughs> I do say that to some people before they work with us. I'm like, if you're looking for a friend, this is not it. We may become friends throughout the process, but we're here <laughs> to bring you from there to there. And that involves me calling you out and you not liking me from time to time. So yeah. I just want to be honest that, you know, is uh, some people are just looking for friendship ultimately. And then, yeah, feel a little bit upset when they get called out and everyone's on their own journey, right? Of whenever they're ready to be called out, because even if you're ready, being called out sucks. It's hard. Yeah. 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 But it's necessary. I mean, um, and, and really, that's what a, that's what a, a true friend is going to do. Um, you know, how many times have we seen these stories of athletes and their crew, their friends, their buddies? They're all yes men. Right. Yeah. Uh, or just women. And it, it never typically ends well. And yeah. uh, they get yeah. into trouble. All their friends yes. leave them except like one person. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I like the, uh, I've, I've used this before, the story of King David. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the story in the Old Testament, but um, there's, a, there's a prophet, his name is Nathan, and um, he calls the king out. And uh, I like this idea that everybody needs a Nathan. Everybody needs that guy, uh, that man, that woman to say, no, I'm not buying what you're saying. Uh, no, that's my you're... fiance. Is that your fiance? Yeah. <laughs> She's like, no, I'm not buying that. No, you can do better. Uh, okay. Tell me what, tell me what really is the issue here. Uh, yeah. And that, that's, that's where we all really ultimately want to be. So yeah, there's some pain in that, but uh, the results are so much better. Yeah. Well, Benjamin, I, I would like to end on, on one thing, words okay. of wisdom, right? So I believe everyone has gone through their own life experiences, their own journey. They've learned specific lessons that are backed by really powerful stories. And so if you had the opportunity to talk to Benjamin at 30 years old, now looking back, what is a, a piece of wisdom, a piece of advice that you would share for yourself? Because at the end of the day, when we share stories, everyone that is listening relates it back to themselves and identify the key components. And then they're like, oh, that's like me when I was going through this. And so whatever you're about to share, it will connect with a ton of people because they all have a similar story without having gone through that, the exact same thing as you. Yeah. Ben, I see what you're going through. I know exactly what you're going through. My advice and wisdom to you is to Cast your cares to the Lord because he cares for you. So I know you're in this preacher training program, but you need to put to memory 1 Peter 5, 7, and you need to trust what that says because the future is bright. The world and your world is not going to end here at age 30. So cast your cares to him, stop worrying, and keep moving forward. Amen. Beautiful. Thank you. Well, Thank you. Benjamin, I, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to kind of come on here and, and, yeah. and on, honestly, just being so open and vulnerable and honest with your story, because a lot of people are not willing to dive into these things. I like to probe around in the questions. So sometimes they force <laughs> people to go a little bit deeper, but I really sure. appreciate you participating in that. You're welcome. No problem. Thanks for having me on the show. Yes. And so for everyone listening, um, I invite you to go check out Benjamin's um, social, his website, his work, his podcast. I'll put all the link down below in the show notes. Same thing if you're on YouTube, it's going to be on there. If you're listening um, on uh, Instagram, whatever, just go to YouTube or podcast and you'll find all the links. And Benjamin, thank you very much again for being on the show. Thank you, bro. God bless. 
Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the episode and would like to support, please share it with others that would benefit from it. Share it on social media and be sure to leave a five-star rating and review. You can also follow me on Instagram at Maxim underscore official and on YouTube at FitVegan. The links will also be in the show notes. I'll see you in the next episode.